It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Tom Shalhoub. I'm Sandra Smith. I'm Steve Ducey, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, July 25th, 2022, on Mike Emanuel. In a 50-50 Senate, every seat counts. Republicans are highly motivated to win back the majority in November. But some longtime GOP senators like Rob Portman from Ohio, Pat Toomey from Pennsylvania, and Roy Blunt from Missouri are retiring, so new names will need to hold those seats. Senator John Thune of South Dakota, the Republican whip, says inflation should help the GOP make its case with voters. We think people are going to be voting economic and pocketbook issues. And if they are looking at the Biden agenda and what that could mean, if they continue to control the Congress, that's going to be sufficient motivation to get Republican voters out. A very big way to flip the House and the Senate and put a check and balance on this administration. I'm Chris Foster. The housing market's cooled off some with prices and mortgage rates higher. Uh, It's really about the home buyers who have been frustrated, the multiple offers that was prevalent last year. But now with the demand loosening, or weakening uh, for people with still financial resources, maybe it's a better time to enter the market. And I'm Carol Markowitz. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. Polls suggest millions of Americans are unhappy with the direction of the country. The Real Clear Politics average of recent polls says about three quarters of the country believes the U.S. is on the wrong track. President Biden's job approval numbers are also underwater. And yet some recent polling indicates Republicans do not have a significant edge against Democrats heading into the midterm elections. House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy insists the GOP will outperform the current numbers. So Republicans are doing quite well. And I think when the American public sees the commitment to America, it is a plan of a new direction to put America back on track. The man charged with electing Republicans in the Senate, leading the National Republican Senatorial Committee to win back the majority, is Florida Senator Rick Scott. Democrats' numbers are horrible. We've got great candidates running. So in November, everything's going to change. When we when we take over, we're going to start focused on balance the budget, become an energy independent, reduce taxes, reduce the size of government. We're going to get this country back in shape again. Another factor that could help Republicans in November is concern the United States economy may be in a recession. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen pushed back against recession talk Sunday morning. I meet the press. What a recession really means is a broad-based contraction in the economy. And even if that number is negative, we are not in a recession now. With 105 days between now and the midterm elections, South Dakota Senator John Thune says he's taking nothing for granted. I'm working as hard as I can, can, as are most of our members, to reclaim the majorities in both the House and the Senate in November. And I think the reason for that, obviously, is we've got to place a check on what is a radical extreme agenda um, put forward by the Biden administration and his leadership in the Congress. John Thune is a member of Republican leadership in the Senate, serving in the position of whip. Runaway inflation is obviously the single most important issue for voters this this election. Families are expected to spend nearly an additional $9,000 
in a year now just to keep up with their daily needs and requirements as a result of inflation. And Democrats and their big spending policies are responsible for that, which I think is going to work in our favor this November. Um, so we feel good about where things are. We think people are going to be voting economic and pocketbook issues. And if they are looking at the uh, the Biden agenda and what that could mean if they continue to control the Congress, uh, I think that's going to be sufficient motivation to get Republican voters out and uh, voting in, in uh, a very big way to to flip the House and the Senate and change the, uh, the direction of Congress and put a check and balance on this administration. Would you be more confident if some of the veteran GOP guys like Toomey, Blunt, Portman were not retiring? Those are very seasoned veterans who know how to win elections in their state. They've proven that, and those are tough states, as you know, to win. So big disappointment uh, to lose them because they're all incredibly just high-quality legislators and uh, very effective for their respective states. But we've got to play the hand we're dealt, and we've got some um, new candidates that have emerged, I think, who are uh, coming into their own. And uh, I expect that by the time the November election rolls around, the contrast between uh, them and their Democrat opponents is going to be very clear. When you look at right direction, wrong direction polling in terms of what the American people think, in terms of where our country is going, an overwhelming majority says they think we're heading in the wrong direction. And so I guess a lot of folks are probably wondering what a Republican Senate, what a Republican House could do in terms of oversight and also putting a check on the Biden administration planning. What most American people want to see is that check and balance. I think they they look at it with a as a runaway radical uh, far left agenda, and I think President Biden has been sort of overtaken, held hostage, if you will, by the far left progressive wing of his party, and it's led to policies that have given, I think, the uh, the American people um, the results and the outcomes that uh, we predicted a long time ago, and that is higher inflation and higher gas prices and a disaster at the border. And those are all things, I think, that weigh heavily on people's minds. If we were to get the majority back, you'd see a distinct change in direction, not only legislatively, but also if we have the Senate, where confirmations to both executive branch agencies and judicial uh, branch uh, vacancies come, uh, we'll have an opportunity to start to influence uh, a lot of the direction um, of uh, not only the legislative uh, outcomes in this country, but also what happens in the executive and, and judicial branches because of the, the confirmation authority in the Constitution. We're going to be looking at pro-growth, pro-opportunity uh, policies, a lighter regulatory touch, uh, aggressive approach toward uh, producing American energy. You know, we were a net exporter of energy under the last administration and everything that this president has done in the last year and a half hasn't just undermined our energy security, it undermines our national security because now we're relying on bad actors overseas for our energy supply and it undermines our economic security when families are paying record prices at the pump. Those are the things we'll focus on and, you know, making the, the tax code permanent, the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which had led to the best economy in decades and lowest unemployment rate in decades and highest wages for lower income workers in decades, then focus on a stronger border and policies that are going to get the economy growing and expanding and get this inflation under control. Many Americans are concerned about government spending. What would a Republican-led Senate do to get spending under control? Well, first and foremost, um, quit digging a hole. I mean, stop the out-of-control wasteful spending. You know, the, the, the bill uh, a year ago, $2 trillion, was predicted not only by Republicans, but by a lot of liberal Democrat economists 
that it would have the effect that it's having, and that is to get the you know inflation uh, started, ignite inflation in this country, and we've seen now basically over the last year runaway inflation, 9.1%, the highest in 40 years, and if you didn't get a 10% pay raise this last year, you actually had a pay cut. Um, you look at the cost of groceries, uh, you know, uh, overall in general up 12%, uh, utility gas up 38%, uh, gasoline at the pump up 60%. And if you go back to when President Biden took office, almost double the cost of what it was. After the historic decision on abortion at the United States Supreme Court, both President Biden and Vice President Harris have suggested a carve-out for the Senate filibuster, which is interesting because both of them have served in the Senate before. What do you make of that? That's really dangerous, Mike. I mean, I think if you think about um, our country, how it's designed, why it's been so durable over time, it has to do with the checks and balances and the separations of power, separation of powers that our founders put into place, and they've worked extremely well, I would argue, and one of those is the United States Senate, where you have rules and procedures that make it uh, more difficult for uh, a majority run to run over the, the rights of the minority. And the Senate was designed to give a voice to and to give rights to the minority in this country. And if you did away with the 60-vote threshold for moving legislation in the Senate, you would essentially reduce the Senate to the House of Representatives with longer terms and, and some would argue bigger egos. For all intents and purposes, the Senate becomes the House of Representatives and everything mm-hmm. gets done by majoritarian rule and everything every two years uh, would be subject to a swings back and forth depending on who's in control of the Congress. And the reason they want to do it is because they, they think um, that uh, having done that, they can bring about what is a huge transformation to not only the way the country's government functions, but also to um, the way our democracy functions. In the Senate right now, there's an effort to get something done on Chips Plus, a package to bolster semiconductor manufacturing and economic competitiveness with China. Um, What do you think it would do for American semiconductor manufacturing and what would it do to help us with China? There are things that we can and, and, and should do to be more competitive China. And one is to try and create incentives for businesses to onshore certain capabilities, um, you know, arguably having a you know, standing up a capability domestically for semiconductor chips is a worthwhile goal. You know, how you get there, obviously, is uh, there are differences of opinion about that. And um, there is going to be a vote in the Senate this week on that subject. And, uh, you know, among Republicans, there's not a clear view. I think some argue that the way the Democrats are proposing do that doing this isn't the correct approach. Um, and uh, I will be voting against the, the, the legislation this week in the Senate. But um, I understand the uh, the issue of competition with China, the need to have these important technologies and products produced here in the United States. And um, hopefully uh, we'll have you know, opportunities to, to, to make that happen. And my guess is that the, the vote this week probably uh, passes in the Senate. And um, we'll see what the, uh, the effects of these policies are. Hopefully they'll be effective. But in my view, they, they come at too high of a cost and one that we haven't paid for. Now, uh, a social issue that's coming up on Capitol Hill, the issue of same-sex marriage. Uh, Democrats are hot on this, uh, one of the many social issues they're hitting going into midterms. Some Republicans seem to be warming to the idea. What do you make of it? Well, you know, there's uh, I, first off, I don't accept the, the premise that um, this 
the Respect for Marriage Act or, or uh, you know, the the uh, Supreme Court case that uh, put it in place, same-sex marriage are protected in the country as at risk of being overturned. I, I just don't think that's the majority of opinion in the Dobbs case. We looked at the justices uh, who wrote the, the majority opinion said they view these issues differently. And I'm not aware of any attempt or legal case in the country that would threaten uh, that precedent. But I do believe that Democrats are trying to gin up fears about this because they want to motivate their base. And they would mm-hmm. rather have a conversation about these issues than any of the other numerous crises that they've created um, of their own making. Again, highest inflation in over 40 years, price of gas nearly double what it was when the president took office, or the historic national and humanitarian crisis we're seeing at the southern border. Um, so, you know, I, I think this is a manufactured issue. I don't think it's a real issue. I don't think anybody's talking about this, including the Supreme Court. But, you know, obviously the, the Democrats, as I said, want to have uh, they want to change the subject as we head into the November elections. They may try and force a vote on this in the Senate. Another one that Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is throwing out there is marijuana legalization. Is that also designed to basically gin up uh, younger voters to come out and support Democrats in the fall? It is. I mean, there isn't anything right now when you get to this point in an election year that isn't designed to try and juice uh, intensity among their Democrat base. And But as I said earlier, uh, notwithstanding their efforts to try and change the subject, I think the overwhelming, um, you know, the overwhelming number of Americans are going to care deeply about the pocketbook issues. They're going to care about, uh, you know, 9.1 percent inflation. When a year ago, when the president took office, it was uh, 1.4 percent. And uh, they're going to care about the, the doubling of a price of uh, the gallon of gasoline. They're going to care about the, the disaster we see at our southern border. They are going to look for any issue to change the subject from what I think the, uh, the ones that the American people care about. Principally, um, I believe, as you said, to try and generate intensity among their voters out there to try and get a, a bigger turnout in the midterm elections in hopes that it will prevent what I think could be a disaster for them electorally, both in the House and the Senate, because of the the mistakes they've made and the policies, policy decisions that they've made here in the last couple of years when they've had unified control of the government, the House, the White House and the Senate. Senator John Thune of the great state of South Dakota, the Republican whip in the United States Senate. Grateful for your time. Safe travel, sir. Thanks, Mike. Always good to be with you. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. This is Carol Markowitz with your Fox News commentary coming up. Existing home sales have gone down five months in a row. Fewer homes are affordable, especially with mortgage rates nearly double what they were a year ago. A house like this, which is in really beautiful condition with the pool and everything, I would say a couple of months ago, I would have expected it to go within the first week. Jane Jones, a realtor in Connecticut. Prices are up everywhere in the country. $416,000 is the median price for all homes in the U.S. The higher mortgage rate, along with record high home prices, are simply pricing out some would-be buyers. Lawrence Yoon's chief economist for the National Association of Realtors. Consequently, we are seeing home sales coming down for the fifth straight months. If rates are mortgage rates are going up, it's not quite, but nearly double what it was 
a year ago, we, people are paying what, 5.5%, 5.6% on average? Uh, right now, the mortgage rates are about 5.5%. Yeah. Uh, a few weeks ago, it was actually at 6%. Yeah. Now, compare this with 3% mortgage rate for the prior two years in 2020, 2021, and you combine the impact of higher rates along with higher prices, and what we are finding is that for a same home, it will be about 50% higher monthly payment now compared to just one year ago. Wow. I mean, home prices were up 13% from a month ago to last June, comparing those year by year. Now, they haven't gone down year over year in more than 10 years, 124 months. Um, normally, you would think that if mortgage rates are going up, prices are going to go down a little bit. Are, are owners just sitting and, and waiting for the price they may have gotten a year or two ago? The market is still tight, uh, meaning that we had an acute housing shortage throughout last year. Multiple offers, intense multiple offers were quite prevalent last year, and many people have simply got uh, outbid by others. So now, for those who are still in the market, maybe cash buyers or people who have extra financial resources, they are seeing less competition, but nonetheless, the homes they are still purchasing at, it is above last year's price overall because of this residual housing shortage. What's Is that part of the longer-term effect of 2020-2021, when a lot of people were leaving cities or leaving, leaving smaller homes, maybe buying a second home to get away uh, from a situation where they didn't like what was happening where they were because of the coronavirus pandemic? Was there a lot of musical chairs, people selling their homes for a ton and then moving? Uh, certainly, uh, the low interest rate environment always boosts prices, uh, independent of uh, whatever the economic condition it could be. Uh, even during a recession, home prices could rise when mortgage rate declined. What was unique during the COVID environment was that uh, people were very afraid of the virus, so they wanted to be in less dense populated areas, leaving the city and also needing higher or larger size home just because they're working from home more frequently and they are saying, look, two bedroom apartments simply don't do. I need an extra room to dedicate it into an office space. So does that end up with a significant amount of people with second homes? And is that contributing to any kind of housing shortage? Uh, we saw a steady growth in the second home purchases uh, throughout the past two years. Uh, no doubt, you know, working from home can easily be working from vacation home. So that also fueled the demand. So this problem with undersupply, uh, according to one analysis, the the nation short about 3.8 million homes to meet what to meet the housing needs. That's that's a lot higher than it was 10 years ago. You're an economist. What's the most efficient way to alleviate that? Can you change zoning to allow more multifamily? What's why don't we have enough homes if there's a market uh, for we, them? The very good question. We have to have more supply. It may requires uh, re-examining some of the zoning rules. Uh, maybe in some land, a may apartment or condominium could be built rather than at just one single home, which means we bring more housing units. In some large, expensive cities, maybe permitting something called accessory dwelling units, meaning that maybe in the backyard, people could build extra housing unit. Uh, maybe it could even be for grandma uh, to come in and live with them, uh, where the grandma can then sell their own home. Uh, but it's really about building more housing units, whether it is an apartment, condominium, single family, we have to build more. And the home builders have been somewhat sluggish uh, over the past 10 years in trying to meet the overall demand. Is there just not enough bang for the buck there? Let's say I wanted to build 
the equivalency of what used to be called a single room occupancy hotel, where you could, you know, maybe have a small efficiency kitchen in a small apartment. Do, can I make my money back there, or is it also a problem where people just don't want that in their backyard? Uh, you know, it requires uh, meeting the local zoning rule, which is the reason why I think the localities need to re-examine what is permitted or not. Uh, but the other issue is about the small mom and pop builders, you know, say in a typical year, they would build maybe 10 homes a year. They have really not come back to the market for the fact that it is very difficult to obtain construction loans. Consequently, the building activity is predominantly by large builders who have the Wall Street money to come in, and which is somewhat sad because we want the small businesses to succeed. We want more competition in the marketplace, but the small builders have been in a sense shut out because of the difficulty of obtaining the construction loans. Huh. That's I hadn't that hadn't thought of it. That's very interesting. Um, how are we seeing things like, I know that a lot of construction was slowed down in the very beginning because of the supply chain stuff. Is that easing? Uh, can you, you can get wood cheaper now. You can get appliances a little more easy now. Uh, things are relaxing a bit, but still not back to normal. And another issue with the housing shortage is that in the past, uh, maybe it took eight months from start to completion, but now it's taking about a one year, 12 months. Uh, and then finally, the garage door never arrives, and the home buyer is saying, no, without the garage door, I cannot sign the contract yet. So all this delay related to supply chain issue has certainly disrupted additional supply from reaching the market quickly. For people who are, are looking to refinance or, or looking to, to buy a home, where do you see mortgage rates going the next, whatever, six months? Uh, for refinances, it's almost dead uh, because mortgage rates are much higher. But for buyers, I think they need to consider if they have the financial resources, there is less buyer competition in the marketplace. Maybe they can negotiate for lower home price. And furthermore, mortgage rate, swings it goes up it goes down and when it goes down the homeowner can always refinance into the lower rate in the future years is this a bad market for everyone is there is there anybody buyer or seller who's making out in the summer of 2022 uh so, you know certainly from the seller's perspective home prices have risen substantially over the past three years from the onset of the COVID. So even with some price negotiation reduction, uh, I think the home sellers have done quite well. Uh, it's really about the home buyers who have been frustrated, the multiple offers that was prevalent last year. But now with the demand loosening or weakening uh, for people with still financial resources, maybe it's a better time to enter the market, more calmer approach, take your time, View five homes rather than only a single home before deciding. Uh, so I think the market condition is normalizing, which I think is healthy. You know, buyers should not be rushed into making a decision quickly. If you have to move, I know you're you're an economist, but you you spend a lot of time with with realtors and people who in this business. If say you have to move for whatever reason, family change, you're getting kicked out of wherever you are. Any advice for those people who just need to find a place to be? that's acceptable and affordable? Uh, you know, there's always a life-changing circumstances. You know, there are divorces, marriages, or have extra kid, they need a larger size home, job changes, uh, multiple reasons as to why people need to change residence aside from interest rate. So the advice is first, always stay within budget. And second, for those lucky enough to have this hybrid work schedule, meaning that they don't have to return to office every single day. 
maybe consider the next county, which could be more affordable. Uh, and th- that would be one way to consider a uh, little better affordability. Let's say somebody can work remote. Uh, their employer says, you never, ever have to come in the office for the rest of your life. Um, are there any regions left that you consider a good bang for the buck? The Midwest, whether it is Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Kansas City, home prices, uh, one can get a good home for about $250,000, uh, so much more affordable compared to the coastal market or, say, the Florida or the California markets. Lawrence Yoon, Chief Economist for the National Association of Realtors. Mr. Yoon, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Here's a look at the week ahead. Monday. Conservatives will gather in the nation's capital for a three-day America First Agenda Summit. Former President Trump is set to speak on Tuesday. Tuesday. The Federal Reserve scheduled to begin two days of meetings and may decide to hike the central bank's benchmark interest rate again in an effort to tamp down the nation's high inflation. Tuesday also marks the latest court appearance in Russia for WNBA star Brittany Griner. She's been jailed since February when airport security officials say they discovered vape pens with marijuana oil in her luggage. Wednesday. Spirit Airlines shareholders are expected to vote on a proposed merger with Frontier Airlines. JetBlue has made a counteroffer to buy the low-cost air carrier Spirit. Friday. The new Saudi-backed Live Golf Tournament tees off at the Trump National Golf Club in Bedminster, New Jersey. Former President Trump has backed the Saudi startup, but critics say he shouldn't be taking millions from a country accused of backing the 9-11 attacks on the country. And that's a look at your week ahead. I'm Rich Dennison, Fox News. the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Carol Markowitz. Markowitz. What's on your mind? What comes after the end of public schools? Anyone who cares about the education of children should be asking that question. So, of course, it's one that the teachers unions don't want us to discuss. New York City schools are in trouble. As the Post reported, the City Department of Education expects to enroll roughly 28,100 fewer students this fall. Enrollment at the city's regular public schools already fell during the pandemic, and this new projection suggests not improving anytime soon. And New York leads a large pack. California, Illinois, Oregon, Mississippi, and Michigan have all seen serious losses of students departing their public school systems. Why? Much of this is tied to long closures during the pandemic. Teachers unions, with people like American Federation of Teachers Chief Randy Weingarten leading the charge, pushed hard to keep schools closed for far too long. The shutdowns and the travesty of remote learning smashed public trust, and it simply isn't that easy to rebuild. Researchers at the American Enterprise Institute found that the longer a school district stayed remote, the larger its enrollment drop. But parents tell me they have many reasons for saying enough. New York City's crushing of merit-based admissions under Mayor Bill de Blasio pushed people out, as did general woke nonsense replacing academics. 
other parents pulled their kids when toddlers stayed masked after the rest of the city had stopped. Mayor Eric Adams isn't mincing words. We have a massive hemorrhaging of students, massive hemorrhaging. We're in a very dangerous place in the number of students that we are dropping, he said. But the city council, clearly lobbied by the teachers union, is pushing for schools to retain funding at the old enrollment numbers. That's crazy. These schools aren't meeting families' needs. They shouldn't be rewarded for this failure with cash, especially because money is so often set on fire in the New York City system. Public schools are in a serious downward spiral. The options are fixing them, which hasn't worked for decades, or letting parents get their kids out. Public charter schools are, understandably, booming despite getting far less funding. On average, charters have higher math and reading scores than traditional public schools, but the teachers' unions hate charters. They hate when parents have choices for their kids. They also hate outspoken parents fighting for their kids. Weingarten called parents showing up to school board meetings racist and has argued that school vouchers, which would give parents a way to get their kids out of failing schools, are the end of public education as we know it, to which we should all say, good. Public education shouldn't exist to serve Weingarten. It's our money paying for our children to get an education. School choice activist Corey DeAngelis always asks, why would giving parents a choice end public schools? That's the exact right question. If parents are finding that the public school system doesn't serve their children, we need to give them an option to exit. If they all take that exit, that means their children have been failed by our current public education model. And that's a travesty we can't ignore. Politicians shouldn't preserve this failing model because Randy Weingarten wants them to. They should remember, the last time they listened to her, public schools across the country lost over a million students. After the last few dismal years, our focus can't be on keeping special interest groups like Weingarten's happy. The mantra for us all has to be children first. This is Carol Markowitz, columnist at the New York Post and Fox News. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch.